This is Finding Sparkle, Chasing Light, and I'm your host, Nicole Brianne. Hi everyone. First of all, I wanted to apologize for getting this episode out a little bit later this week. It's been a really weird and hard and painful revealing week. I mean, a couple of weeks actually. And as a result of many things, I'm actually no longer flying to my best friend's wedding this weekend. And yeah, I'm pretty sad about it. Naturally, my ego wants to talk about it here and because I know that my feelings are so valid, but I'm trying really hard to find peace with knowing that I I can't control the story and I can't control what anyone thinks or feels and that it doesn't make my feelings any less valid. But yeah, I think in a situation like this, it's always hard because it can be oversimplified when it's told to people and no one knows all the like love and sadness and thoughtfulness, consideration, energy, and pain and nuances and complexities that go into something before a decision like that is made. And no one's there for like all the conversations and the emotions behind it all. And so people only hear the one sentence simplification of it. And that's hard for me. And maybe I'll I'll share more someday and maybe when I'm ready or maybe with her, maybe it'll be like a red table talk style thing. Who knows? But I just wanted to share that and maybe someone else listening, maybe you need a reminder that you can't always control, you know, what people think of you, but you can just keep going and try and let go of that. And maybe it'll feel freeing right now. It feels crappy, but maybe, maybe soon it'll feel free freeing. Um, I also wanted to share a couple things I forgot because I'm apparently I'm not a great storyteller, but there were a couple things that I missed in my Ellen story that I feel like are important. Maybe you'll disagree. Who knows? So one of the reasons I mentioned that it was really hard to watch the show after everything happened. And the main reason is, is because literally a few weeks after everything sort of went down with me, this other gal named Erica did a similar thing with a series of videos. She was like part of a sorority at like a big American university, college, whatever. And her videos were just, you know, she got like flash mobs basically happening. So she ended up getting a job. Like my dream came true for her within weeks of it happening. So naturally I creeped her Instagram and LinkedIn and whatever. She ended up working for Ellen for six years. Can you imagine? Like my life could have been drastically different. And I don't even know if that's what I would have wanted anymore anyway, but wild times, that was why it was hard to watch the show. But on a more positive note, as you may remember, this happened sort of like at the end of 2012, start of 2013-ish. Ellen takes the summer off. Her new season was starting up again in August and it was her 10 year anniversary. So the show opened with a special longer show opening for the first like week or so. And it had all these clips from guests and people all sort of sharing little snippets of, you know, what the joy that Ellen brings them, that sort of thing. And somehow a little clip from my super earnest plea was in it several months later, which means somebody had obviously actually watched the video and like logged it somewhere in their hard drive and taken a clip and boom, put it in that video, which in some ways was like kind of cool because it was, 
you know, it kind of brought the story to a close for me in my soul. (laughs) But also it was kind of like a bummer because I couldn't tell myself anymore that maybe just no one had seen it. And then if they had, they would have called me and offered me a job because now, you know, someone had seen it and still didn't offer me the job. But that was kind of a cool update that I forgot to give. So bonus. I also want to thank everyone again for the FSCL Finding Sparkle Chasing Light merch. Um, I took 70 plus sweatshirts to the embroiderer yesterday, dropped them all off, felt like I was leaving a part of me there as I anxiously await the embroidery and hope it looks as beautiful as I imagine. So thank you again. We've got a fun show today. I am talking about a catfishing documentary I watched, and I'll also share my own catfishing story, plus my love is blind rabbit hole that I went down recently, and a little bit of astrology as the confetti on top. So earlier this week, I watched the two-part series, Untold, The Girlfriend Who Didn't Exist, on Netflix. And I will warn you that there are some spoilers in this segment. But also, now that I think about it, the title kind of is the spoiler. So I don't really know if I'm giving away much more than that. But I totally understand if you don't want to keep listening to this part. So feel free to skip ahead. Basically, this is the story of Manti Teo, the amazing football player and his catfishing story, basically. So he is playing for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. He is from Hawaii. He is the eldest son in his family. He is Mormon. He is a man of faith. He is a man of family values. He is, you know, an incredible football player, an incredible human. He has this beautiful girlfriend. Her name is Lene. They are doing an entirely long-distance relationship. She goes to Stanford She is recovering from a car accident, and she is also battling leukemia. Unfortunately, this story takes a heartbreaking turn because both his girlfriend and his grandmother pass away. Honestly, I think it was either the same day or like a day apart, and he keeps his promise to his deceased girlfriend. Her dying wish was basically for him to keep playing football. So he actually misses her funeral to play and helps his team win that game and go on to like, goes on to like help them keep winning and winning and winning. And he is just this story of like inspiration. The media outlets are just all over him because he is this all-star player. He came from Hawaii. He is, he has taken the fighting Irish from like being unranked to like one of the best teams in the nation and like college football is like such a big thing in America. And yeah, it's like this heartbreaking, inspirational, beautiful story. It's like this fairy tale and it's probably a fairy tale because it's not true. Like most fairy tales, uh, I guess a couple journalists at dead spin received a tip that Lene, his girlfriend didn't actually exist. This persona of Lene didn't actually exist. So someone else was, you know, playing this character basically. So they go on, they do tons of research. They're kind of wondering why no one had ever fact-checked anything because Lene is not actually registered at Stanford. There's no death records. There's no, there's nothing. There's only some social media accounts under this name, basically. So they break the news to the world and almost immediately, you know, you see how quickly 
the media sensationalizes things. And Manti is immediately almost being blamed. They're questioning if he was part of it, if he like made it up with this person or if he did it because he maybe wanted the sympathy or wanted the story. And it just got real ugly real quick for him. And I feel really, really bad. And it kind of makes made me think about how we consume media and just like you know, we're all guilty of like looking at headlines and, you know, before knowing the whole story, it's just kind of sad because you forget that, you know, there were, there are real human beings behind those stories. And yeah, just a lot of lives were damaged and ruined along the way. But what's interesting about this documentary is that both of the integral characters of the story are in it. So enough time has now passed, it's been about a decade, that we hear from both Manti and Renaya. Renaya is the person behind the fake girlfriend, Lene. And Renaya also goes by Naya now. Since the hoax has happened, she has actually come out as a transgender woman. And she shares a bit more about that journey. And, you know, it's a really intimate look at sort of what she was going through at that time. You know, she she understands that she really sort of got addicted to being seen that way, being seen as like this beautiful woman because at that time she wasn't living her life that way. And, you know, she took it obviously too far and there's no excuse for that. And that's devastating. But you also get sort of an intimate look at Manti in this story. And yeah, just like you really feel for him. He is such a stand-up guy. You can really tell that he has a lot of pressure from like his parents. His dad seems to put a lot of pressure on him just, you know, by being the eldest son, like carrying the family name so well and the pressure from his like religion to you know, pray about making any decision and the pressure he puts on himself at being the best, like being the best football player. And, you know, he, because he is so good, his reputation precedes him everywhere he goes. So there's just, I think a lot of pressure on him. And as soon as this story came out that it was all a hoax, his family was sort of embarrassed and, you know, he didn't even, I don't think any of us really knew what the term catfishing even was in 2012. Like that wasn't, there was no show about catfishing. It wasn't common terminology yet. And, you know, initially when I was watching the documentary, I, I did feel bad for Naya and, you know, I can't obviously speak to or understand her journey in any way. And I always try and think that people are doing the best they can at the time. Like at that time, that was the best she could do. And, you know, that's not always fair that I do that because she, there's no reason that she needed to, you know, traumatize and hurt people along the way, especially Manti. But I, I, you know, I'm not, I've never been in that position, so I can't, I can't know what I would do. And I really don't know what I would do, but I know that sometimes one lie quickly becomes five, becomes 10. And before you know it, your lie is your reality. And, you know, I'm going to share my own catfishing story in a bit where you can really get sucked in and truly, especially with cell phones and social media, we can really we can really alter our own reality and we start to forget what is real and what is social media. So that is 
heartbreaking. It's truly just like a tragedy. This whole story is honestly a tragedy and it's it's sad. And yeah, you know, she really didn't have to fake the death. You know, I, I understand that you got to get rid of the character somehow, but why die? You know, just come clean or like break up with him or something. And I obviously went on Twitter and people are not pleased with Naya. So I think I was maybe giving too much sympathy. I don't know. But people are very quick to say that you can't trample over someone's life and ruin it at, you know, and mask it as like, it was part of my journey of finding myself. So yeah, that, that doesn't look good for Naya. The one thing that everyone does agree on though, after watching this documentary is how incredible of a person Manta is. So even in the documentary, it's very obvious that he is a truly beautiful, genuine, incredible, kind, like wonderful person. You can just tell that he has taken the time to heal and forgive and just he's very gracious and probably more gracious than most people would ever be for for going through what he went through. And so, of course, I had to look up what he's up to now, obviously, and he's married to a beautiful, smart woman. They have one daughter and they have another baby coming along. She is finishing her nursing degree. They live in Utah. They have a really cute dog that they call their baby as well. And I'm just so happy to see that he's doing well. And he actually posted an Instagram video this week, and he's just thanking everyone so much for the support since this documentary came out. And he stresses that the reason he actually did this documentary was to give people hope and to send love to those who need it. And he wants to remind people to forgive not only others, but themselves. And I just think that is so incredible that he's able to, you know, reach that place and he just inspired me to be a better person. So this got me thinking about how sometimes if you take time to step away from a situation and like the emotions and of it can sort of settle, you're often, you often get the clarity that you wish you had at the time and that sometimes forgiving someone else frees you too. So I actually had my own catfishing stories, you know, a decade or so ago which I had kind of blocked out, honestly. Um, and wow, we're going to get into it. I had been dating this guy for a couple months, and I knew he had a really intense history with his ex, who, like, oddly enough, befriended me. So basically, she ended things with him. She and I had a ton of mutual friends. It was weird that we had, didn't know each other. And he was really sad that she ended things, but they kind of always had this promise that they would give each other one chance to get back together. They had a really unhealthy codependent relationship. They had been through a lot together. They had some big like life changes together. They both left their religion, which was really a big part of their lives together. And yeah, they had had some ups and downs. I mean, the fact that she befriended me when I first started dating him it probably should have been a red flag from the get-go for this whole story. But, you know, naive Nicole just thinks this is what mature people do. You know, she just wanted him to find someone and she had heard great things about me and we went for coffee when I was home in Calgary. She was really happy for me. So I thought nothing of it. But the things that were also weird at the time was that this person, we will call him Jeff, 
<laughs> if you've known me at all, you know this is not Jeff, but alas, here we go. So Jeff was clearly not over Rebecca, we'll call her. He used to sit outside the hallway of my apartment in university and talk on the phone to her for hours and like cry. And then I would like hold him and console him after like the sweet, lovely girlfriend that I was. So that Christmas, we were both in Calgary for a couple weeks over the holidays. We both had family there. I was from there. His family had moved there from Edmonton. And one day I get a text from a number I don't have saved. It says something like, hey, Nicole, I am so sorry to be sending you this message out of the blue. I was at Chinook Mall today, puttering around, doing my Christmas shopping, going to eat lunch. And a couple times I saw your boyfriend looking pretty cuddly with someone else. And I'm so sorry to be the one to tell you that, but you're such an amazing person that I thought you really deserved to know. I hope you have lovely holidays with your family, whatever. No name signed. So obviously my heart is immediately racing and I ask like who it is. They won't say. All they would tell me was that they were just too nervous to tell me because they didn't want to get in the middle of things. They didn't want to get involved. I was honestly like texting the number to everyone I knew being like, do you have this number in your phone? Do you have this number in your phone? I was Googling it to see if, you know, like it was linked to any sort of like yellow pages or websites or whatever. No one had it. No one knew whose number it was. And I got the sense that my guess was that maybe it was someone from my former dance studio because we all really clicked and bonded over the years. But I thought maybe it was one of the girls who was a few years younger than me who maybe, you know, didn't want to like get in over her head about someone else's relationship, but wanted to do the right thing to tell me what she saw. So I didn't really pry that hard. I just kind of pictured a couple girls that I thought it could have been. And this person like knew a lot about me. So I've, I really kind of warmed up to them. And meanwhile, and this is so messed up, the ex, Rebecca, was also kind of reaching out to me. She was, you know, asking me how the holidays were going and just kind of befriending me. And this is just so wild. This is red flag number I don't even know what at this point. But Rebecca accidentally sent me an email that was meant to go to her sister, Nicole. But it was so clearly not actually for her sister, Nicole. It was very obviously one of those emails that you want me to read, but you couldn't tell me. So you had to pretend it was an email for someone with the same name because she used the name Nicole about 50 times in the email. And I'm pretty sure if I was writing an email to my sister, Rachel or Libby, I would not say, Rachel, you've been so great to me all this time. Rachel, you wouldn't believe what happened to me this week, Rachel. Anyway, it was so fake. I like, I forgot that that even happened. And I read this email earlier today and I was laughing. Like, it was so ridiculous that this was my life. And this email like fully goes into detail about Rebecca and Jeff that they slept together on Thanksgiving, which, you know, was cheating on me because we were together at the time and that they had slept together again. And she just didn't know what to do because she still had feelings for him. But that there was this other girl, Nicole, involved now. Like it was absolutely wild. And I find it hilarious now, but at the time that consumed me. This was like my first serious boyfriend. This was 
the guy I lost my virginity to. And I didn't tell anyone because I just felt so embarrassed that this was what I was going through. So I'm just kind of playing the part at home for the holidays, but just being so consumed by this panic and anxiety of like my boyfriend potentially getting back together with his ex-girlfriend, but also processing that he cheated on me with her at Thanksgiving and also again right now at Christmas. And I'm just like, what do I do? Well, let me tell you, I decided to reach out to the anonymous texter because this person knew what I was going through. After all, they had seen Jeff and Rebecca, we assume it was Rebecca, at the mall together and they knew what I was going through and oddly enough, really was fine with talking about it. So I sort of bonded and formed this unlikely friendship with my cell phone. I should also note that this is a really sad part of the story, but my grandpa was honestly on the brink of like passing away at this time. It was so sad. We were up in Edmonton visiting him and essentially kind of like saying our goodbyes. I probably wasn't even as present as I should have been because of all this that was happening to me. But this anonymous texter was somehow this like comfort for me during that time. We just started texting and chatting and it suddenly didn't really like matter who they were. They just, they cared and they saw me and they understood. And looking back, I'm sure it seems wackadoodle do, but if anyone has been in this sort of position of having just like someone to text, it's like that movie Her, if you've seen that, with Joaquin Phoenix. I think Scarlett Johansson is the voice, but it's sort of like this relationship you have, not necessarily with the person that you're texting, but just like your phone almost. It's like this intimate relationship where you're like strangers, but you're sharing so much because you're just typing. So your guard is kind of still protected, if that makes sense. Okay, so things things start to get a little wild here. Um, I start to get Jeff involved, and he adamantly says that this texter is not Rebecca because I said, are you sure it couldn't be your ex-girlfriend, you know, trying to get in between us, whatever? He's like, she would never do that. She would know that if this was her trying to win me back, that it wouldn't work because it's only going to make her look bad. Like, no way, no how. So at one point, Rebecca is like, texts Jeff and says that she saw us driving. At one point, someone definitely like followed me home to my parents' house. And I'm pretty sure now looking back, it was the anonymous texter because she suddenly, like later on, it kind of came up that she knew where I lived, which at the time I just kind of thought that it was because it was someone I grew up with. But now I'm like, oh my gosh, I think I was followed home. This is like all so wild to think about. I I don't even think I told, I think I told a couple friends this as it was happening. Shout out to Alana. I remember telling her, but it was just so embarrassing, honestly, truly embarrassing. But it all finally came to a head one night when Jeff actually spoke on the phone to this anonymous texter, like fully spoke on the phone and was like, what are you doing? Who are you? Please stop bothering us, all this stuff. And then he got off the phone and was like, there's no way that's Rebecca. That's not her voice. That's not how she talks. Nothing about it. And just to make sure, he called Rebecca right after she answered as if everything was fine. 
And we were both so sure after that, that it wasn't her that we were like, okay, if it's not her, we have to like go to the police or something. I don't even know if the police could have done anything, but we told Rebecca that we were going to go to the police. The next morning we were like, okay, we're getting police involvement. Like this is your last chance. And sure enough, she came clean. Rebecca, the ex-girlfriend was the anonymous texter. We both cried. We all probably cried. And it was just really wild. I remember just feeling so deceived and so like gross and so sad and embarrassed and ashamed. And just like, yeah, you feel stupid. Like I'm sure telling any outsider or I'm sure anyone listening is probably like, yeah, of course it was her. But when you're in those moments and someone emotionally connects to you when you're vulnerable, like you know, I'm finding out my boyfriend is cheating on me and my grandfather is really sick. Like, of course I'm vulnerable. And of course someone who emotionally connects with me at this time is going to be bonded to me and I'm going to open up. Right. So obviously the story is nothing like Manti's and I can't obviously speak to his experience or totally relate, but there were just some parallels in there that made me feel like I could understand how it feels to be tricked. And just, you know, how sad it is to be so trusting when other people speak on your behalf after saying they never would have done that because you just don't know. You don't know what you'd believe or who you'd trust until you trust them. And, you know, I would always rather be a trusting person and see the good in people than not. I mean, especially when I was younger. Anyway, just a side note. After all that went down, I thought, finally, Rebecca will be gone. Nope. We flew to Toronto. I felt like such a weight lifted off me because she didn't live there. We could kind of start fresh. Also a red flag. Why am I starting fresh with this person who cheated on me twice? And we get to his apartment with all of our bags and he had like 30 letters in his mailbox from her. Like I think she just sent a letter every day of that holiday and they kept coming for like months. So it was not the it was not the last of Rebecca, but oddly enough, as I was searching through my emails for this for research, bless emails because texts would be long gone by now. But thankfully, I still had lots of emails and somehow in the thick of all that, like right after it happened, I actually wrote a really nice email to Rebecca and I explained that like, you know, you really hurt me and I should be more mad at you, but I can see that you're hurting and I care about you and I'm sorry that all of our Christmases were ruined because of this and that, yeah, like I was like surprisingly really kind. And I'm sure there's some sort of like lesson here and forgiveness or empathy. I mean, my lesson for Remy will hopefully be to know her worth so that she doesn't put up with the same shenanigans I did. But mostly this was just a wild story. (laughs) I just really wanted to share that. I had a wild story that I never really told anyone. And some of the salacious words and emails were just absolutely wild. And I just can't believe young Nicole went through all of that virtually like by herself, which is just really sad. But let this also be a reminder to you that anytime a guy has quote unquote crazy exes, we shouldn't be using that word, but more like unhinged exes or ex-girlfriends who do rash things after they break up, perhaps we should less judge the ex-girlfriend and perhaps look deeper into the ex-boyfriend. Because in my experience, I would say that this ex, Jeff, 
Um, we are calling him Jeff, as you may remember. But in my experience, Jeff had a few exes that kind of did some ridiculous things after their breakup. And to me, it just shows that he made people feel like they were never good enough. And when he finally said, like, they gave it, like, we all gave it our all. And when we still weren't enough, it makes you just want to do, like, really intense things after. So just a reminder that maybe we should stop judging ex-girlfriends on their behavior and perhaps, you know, considering the man who made them do those things. Just saying. This segment is called The Rabbit Hole, where I take you down a rabbit hole that I went down because... I tend to go down a lot of rabbit holes and don't do a lot of deep dives on things. So I figured might as well bring you along. Earlier this week, I noticed that Nick and Danielle from Love is Blind season two filed for divorce. I mean, I'm not like totally surprised, but also it made me wonder what the heck everyone else from that show was up to. Because it's kind of weird, you know, we we watch this show, we get obsessed with these strangers and their lives are as much as we know of their lives. And we like talk about it with friends. There's TikToks, there's memes, there's rumors, there's allegations. And then we creep them on social media and then we kind of just, you know, forget about them, which is odd, but it's so common, I guess, these days with our attention spans and the way that we absorb and take in, you know, like media. Um, so anyway, made me wonder what everyone else was up to. So I figured I would just share what I learned. So Nick and Danielle, they filed for divorce. They made a joint statement together on social media. Um, a lot of their pictures still seem to be up. Uh, granted, some of them are ads and sponsored posts, so it makes sense. Um, Jarrett and Ayana also are separating, filing for divorce. They haven't made an official statement yet, but I guess there's documents in the courts or whatever. Also not surprised. First of all, she was his second pick and nobody deserves that. So it was just doomed from the start in my opinion, but she is such like an introverted homebody and he is, you know, Mr. Social nightlife party guy. And that just seems like a tough combo, you know, an introvert and an extrovert can work out, of course, in many instances, and I think often do, but this one was just not maybe the best. Also, I don't want to give in or like feed into rumors because I know that these are really are people and humans, but Reddit was not too impressed with Jarrett and there were some allegations and rumors against about him that weren't very favorable. So I really hope those aren't true, but if they are, I hope that Ayana's getting sort of like the healing and support she needs. Shayna, remember Shayna, the super religious conspiracy theorist, Trump supporting, you know, white woman. <laughs> I am a white woman, but you know, she is like the ultimate. Um, she got married in Greece. So I guess she's bringing her husband, Christo, to the show. If you haven't watched the After the Altar trailer, I mean, if you haven't watched Love is Blind, then I guess this is all boring to you anyway. But the After the Altar trailer is kind of like where they are now several months later. It's, I think, a three-part series coming out on September 16th, and it looks juicy. It really makes Natalie look like a villain and that a lot more has happened with Shayna and Shane and Natalie and everyone wants to tell their stories and 
make their claims. So Natalie, speaking of, she's really living into her like single girl era, you know, but we, and you know, we think we, she might be going to, we, I don't know who we is suddenly. I think she might be going into her villain era because it's not looking as good for her. Incidentally, Shake did not film the After the Altar. He is just not liked by anyone and I don't think likes the franchise at all, but he did do a live with Zachary Reality, and he says that the girls on the show are very conniving, especially Natalie. And I guess in the production, because it was COVID, I assume, they were each given a phone for their wedding day to kind of film some of the footage themselves and like their journal, I guess. And the phone that Natalie used, apparently he used after like the next day so he kind of watched some of her videos or her claims and her journal and the videos that were on there he showed like shake showed shane which made shane cry so that's one of the things that makes natalie not look so good but shane kind of forgot about him too he doesn't seem to be doing a ton. I guess he still lives with his mom. The folks on Reddit and Twitter say that he really seems to be consumed by his social media followers. They're like, he keeps buying followers. I don't know. Does that really matter? Who knows? I'm just sharing it anyway. Mallory, she's a youth advocate. She's got her German Shepherd. She seems to just be doing awesome. She's living it up in Chicago, living her best life, doesn't seem to have a partner. Yeah, she's doing great. Sal, also seems to be doing, you know, as good as anyone could be doing, given just that they were on a reality TV show and probably trying to monetize off that. But he has Cameo now. So if any of you want to get a birthday wish or whatever from him, he'll do that. Maybe he'll even write a song for you. He also has a mustache. And Deep D. We don't know if Deep D and Kyle might be dating, were dating, wanted to make it look like they were dating for the press, maybe did for a while and then didn't. They haven't seen them out as much together, but nobody knows. Maybe we'll find out on After the Altar. So yeah, that was the rabbit hole I went down. Um, Hope you'll join me on September 16th and watch After the Altar because naturally I will be fully invested. One last quick little lesson for those who want to dip their toes in astrology. I wanted to share with you that we have just entered Virgo season, baby. Think taking what's good and making it useful. Think practical skills. Think craftsmanship and restoring order. Virgos come from the symbol, the Virgin, which translates as sort of an instinct to be self-sufficient. Virgos have birthdays from August 23rd to September 22nd. This sign comes after Leo season. And if you know anything about Leos, they are the life and star of the party. And Virgos kind of bring us back down to earth after. And they're sort of the ones that would help plan the party and clean up after the party and maybe even like organize your books and cupboards after the party. So they have a knack for like classifying and managing info. They strive for perfectionism. They really also like to downplay their talents, I've noticed. And they can tend to get lost in the details and sometimes miss the bigger picture. Virgos are also earth signs, which there's earth signs, air signs, water signs, and fire signs. So if you're an earth sign, you're good at like managing tasks. You are sort of like down to earth, pragmatic, good at getting things done. 
So if you have a Virgo in your life, you'll have to let me know if they fit this description. That's our show, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. It is so fun and challenging to make this podcast, but I am learning so much and I really hope you stick around as I continue to find my space here and my tone. And yeah, I'm just really grateful. Um, Thank you so much to Lucas, as always, for everything he does to help me make this possible. And of course, to Mike Halleck for the music. Please follow along on Instagram at Finding Sparkle Chasing Light. I love to get my community involved and I hope to continue to share more of my community stories on this podcast. So head over there in between each episode where we can stay connected. Thanks so much. 